Good morning. Good morning. Welcome to Christ the King Church. The passage today comes from Psalm 95, verses 1 through 7. O come, let us sing to the Lord. Let us make joyful noise to the rock of our salvation. Let us come in his presence with thanksgiving. Let us make a joyful noise to him with songs of praise. For the Lord is a great God and great King above all gods. In his hand are the, are the depths of the earth. The heights of the mountains are his also. The sea is his, for he made it, and his hands formed the dry land. O come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord, our maker, for he is our God, and we are the people of his pasture, the sheep of his hand. Shall we pray? God, thank you for letting us be able to meet together today, prepare our hearts to be open to hear the message today, and be with us as we worship and praise you. Amen. Let's stand for our first two songs. of the risen King who delight to bring Him praise. Come all and tune your hearts to sing to the morning star of grace. From the shifting shadows of the earth we will lift our eyes to Him. Where steady arms of mercy reach to God the children in. Rejoice, rejoice, let every tongue rejoice. One heart, one voice, O Church of Christ, rejoice. Come those whose joy is morning sun and those weeping through the struggling in the fight. For His perfect love will never change and His mercies never cease. But follow us through all our days with the certain hope of peace. Rejoice, rejoice, let every tongue from every land, men and women of the faith. Come those with full or empty hands, find the riches of His grace. Over all the world His people sing, shore to shore we hear them call. The truth that cries through every age, our God is all in all. Rejoice, rejoice, let every tongue rejoice. One heart, one voice, 
Your love, O oh Lord, reaches to the heavens. Your faithfulness stretches to the sky. Your righteousness is like a mighty mountain, yeah. Your justice flows like the ocean's tide. And I will lift my voice to worship you, my And I will find my strength in the shadow of your wings. Your love, O oh Lord, reaches to the heavens. Your faithfulness stretches to the sky. Your righteousness is like a mighty mountain, yeah. Your justice flows like the ocean's tide. And I will lift my voice to worship you, my And I will find my strength in the shadow of your wings. And I will lift my voice to worship you, my King. And I will find my strength in the shadow of your wings. Your love, O oh Lord, preaches to the heavens. And your faithfulness stretches to the sky. Amen. You may be seated. Behold, I was brought forth in iniquity, and in sin did my mother conceive me. Behold, you delight in truth in the inward being, and you teach me wisdom in the secret heart. My sin is not far but right in front of me Against you and you alone, God, I am guilty Wash me thoroughly and cleanse me from iniquity And teach me wisdom in the secret heart Create in me 
cast me not away from your presence. Take not your Holy Spirit. Restore to me the joy of your salvation. And teach me wisdom in the secret heart. Send me the chief of sinners to proclaim Come be forgiven of sin, the Lamb of God was slain Open my lips and my mouth will declare your endless praise And teach me wisdom in the secret heart Create in me a clean heart, O oh God Renew a right spirit within me, O oh God. Cast me not away from your presence. Take not your Holy Spirit. Restore to me the joy of your salvation. And teach me. Wisdom and secret heart. The Lord is gracious, slow to anger, rich in love he is, good to all. The Lord is gracious, slow to anger, rich in love he is. Good to all, the Lord is gracious, slow to anger, rich in love he is. Good to all, the Lord is gracious, slow to anger, rich in love he is. Good to all. Take not your Holy Spirit Restore to me the joy of your salvation And teach me wisdom in the secret heart Beloved in the Lord, our sinful nature makes it easy, doesn't it, for us to be deceived and to forget our need for Christ. Therefore, it is good that we draw near to God with a true heart and confess our sins, knowing that the Lord Jesus Christ gave his life for us. In Hebrews 3, we read, Take care, brothers, lest there be in any of you an evil, unbelieving heart, 
leading you to fall away from the living God. But exhort one another every day, as long as it is called today, that none of you may be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. And in Psalm 139, David prayed, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts, and see if there be in any grievous way in me, and lead me in the way everlasting. So let's follow David's advice and spend a minute in prayer. Lord Jesus, you know our frame and remember that we are dust. Thank you for rescuing us from the coming wrath, for forgiving all our sins, healing all our diseases, redeeming our lives from the pit, crowning us with steadfast love and mercy, and satisfying our deepest longings with good. We praise you and thank you. Amen. If you're able, please stand for our next two songs. And 
seated and children are dismissed to nursery.
Okay, we just have a few announcements. Um, next week, we will not be meeting in the building for our worship service. That'll be the, we'll be at the festival on the stage. So you just go into the middle of town, you can't miss it. Um, but if next year, or if last year was any indication, um, in the middle of the service, the sun started coming up. Um, bring a hat, bring some sunglasses, because it got pretty bright. We saw was the Shekinah glory behind Zach. Um, but uh, yeah, pray for that. Pray that, um, that God would be with Phil as he preaches. Um, it's just, it's a wonderful opportunity. Um, and there's gonna be a meeting after church for anybody who is available that wants to be a part of helping. There's a lot of little things that we're doing. We're gonna have a bounce house. We're gonna have different things. Um, in fact, Joy's going to share a little bit right now. I'm just going to encourage you if you haven't had a chance to sign up for the volunteer things yet. We still need quite a bit of help at our booth downtown. We need someone to help. We're having a bake sale, someone to help collect money. And also, we need someone to pass out flyers so that people know to come down here to the bounce house and things like that. So take a look at that. And if you can sign up, you're able to come to the meeting after church. We and then, if you could pray, um, we're rejoicing. Neighborhood Fellowship, the church that sent us out here to Thorntown, they, um, they have been, so, take a step back. For 20 years or so, they prayed for a clinic um, just because of where they were located, and God brought a doctor in, and there's a free clinic, and it's been a glorious thing. Well, it's too big for, to be in the church. So God has given Neighborhood Fellowship space across the street, and today they're dedicating it. Um, and so pray for them. Pray that God would use this and bless it. Um, speaking of praying, why don't we pray together? Father, I thank you that you are a gracious God. We deserved your wrath, yet because of your great love for us, you've given us Christ Jesus who came and lived that perfect life that we did not, absolutely fulfilling every aspect of the law. But he didn't do just that. He, he became a sacrifice for our sins atoning for all of the sins that we have committed, fully satisfying your wrath on the cross and declared that it was finished, that the payment was made in full. And because of that, we can be reconciled to you and we can be known by our God, not as knowing the righteous judge, but knowing the loving Father. And we rejoice in that good news. And Father, we come to you not based on our righteousness, but based on the righteousness of Christ. And we ask that you would be with Phil as he is on vacation with Deborah celebrating 30 years of marriage. Lord, I thank you for their marriage. I thank you for their ministry. And I pray that this would be a time of refreshment and renewal, that they would be able to to um, rejoice in each other and in your goodness in their lives. Bless them during this time, I pray.
Father, our hearts are filled with joy that Debbie is back with us today. I thank you for that, and I pray for continued healing. Strengthen her body. Lord, give the doctor wisdom on what's been going on, and I pray that you would encourage her hearts, but thank you that we get to see her today. Father, we continue to pray for the Fairfields. We rejoice that they were able to get this house, and we thank you for that blessing. But we know that every move is difficult. And I pray that you would strengthen them during this, during this time. Help us to surround them with love. Father, I pray that you would use Christ the King in the festival, that as we preach, it would be clear. As we interact with people, it would be with love. As we seek opportunity to share the gospel, that it would be clear. Lord, I pray for Neighborhood Fellowship, that you continue to bless them and be with them, that you would use this clinic for your glory, that it would be a springboard for the gospel and in a, in a way to show love for their neighbors. Lord, we thank you for all that you are doing. Pray that you would bless us and be with us today, for we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay. Well, if you have your Bibles, and if you don't, there are pew Bibles there. Um, I'm going to ask you to turn to Ephesians chapter 4. We are going to take a, a quick break from John. And I wanted to look at Ephesians 4. And as we've been going through the book of John, right, I keep bringing up the same topic but I'm gonna keep hammering it home because it's still there. We see people trying to control Jesus. Right? They want him to fit their mold. They want him to perform at their time. But Jesus is not to be controlled by man. He is about his father's business and his father's timing. And ironically, we live in a time where our culture is desperately trying to control the church, right? Most, I say most because not all, but most are fine with us gathering together today to worship God. On Sunday mornings, by ourselves, at home, just don't take that faith into the world, right? Don't bring your Christianity into the world when we are outside the walls of our homes or our churches, we are to toe the line as the culture would have us do it. Right? Think of professors in colleges. If they believe in creationism, what happens when they share their views? They're ignored. They're fired. Right? Things happen. If we go into our workplaces, we have to be careful not to offend people whose full-time job these days seem to be to be offended. We are to use their terms. We are to use their pronouns. Our culture doesn't want us to have tolerance. They want us to affirm all that they believe as good and true. And during times like this, during times of this kind of insanity, we need to have pockets of sanity. 
where we can retreat to and be encouraged and built up. We need churches filled with people that are committed to each other and love one another deeply. But one of the problems is that our churches are filled with sinners, right? including myself, which makes that difficult. Right? Because of that, it's so easy to argue. It's so easy to split. You don't hold to a particular view in the exact same way that I do, so I'm going somewhere else. And this leads to a consumeristic view of the church where I'm going around shopping until I find what I want. All right, kind of like fast food. Not in the mood for Burger King right now, maybe, maybe Taco Bell today, but whatever it is. But what we need are deep roots of relationship where we know that we can count on people to be there for us. We need something we pour ourselves into, not just go to get something out of. So today, we're going to take a break from the book of John, and we're going to look at Ephesians 4. I'm not going to do a detailed study of all these verses, but I want to hit chapter 4, verses 1 through 16. So if you have your Bibles, turn there and follow me as I read verses 1 through 16. Paul writes, Therefore I, the prisoner of the Lord, implore you, implore you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling in which you have been called, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, showing tolerance for one another in love, being diligent to preserve the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, just as also you are called into, in one hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. But each of us, grace was given according to the measure of Christ's gift. Therefore, it says, when he ascended on high and he gave gifts to men, he led captive a host of captives. Now this expression, he ascended, what does it mean except that he also had descended into the lower parts of the earth? He who descended is himself also, he who ascended far above all the heavens, so that he might fill all things. And he gave some as apostles, and some as prophets, and some as evangelists, and some as pastors and teachers for equipping of the saints for the work of service, to the building up the body of Christ until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to a mature man, and to the measure of the statue which belongs to the fullness of Christ. As a result, we are no longer to be children, tossed here and there by waves, and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by the trickery of men, by craftiness and deceitful scheming, but speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in all aspects into him who is the head, even Christ, for whom the whole body being fitted and held together 
by what every joint supplies according to the proper working of each individual part causes of the growth of the body for building up of itself in love. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for this word. And I thank you that when we read it, it is not just us alone, but the Spirit is with us. I pray that that Spirit would illuminate your wonderful truths. Pray that we would grow in the grace of knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ and that we would be changed. Help us today, I pray. Help us to be a people that are more unified because of what we hold in common. I pray that you would work in us in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. So, we see in chapter 4, verse 1, there is this uh, turning point in the book, which is very common in Paul's letters. Right? We have this in Romans 12. We have this in Colossians 3. We have this in Ephesians 4, where Paul talks about doctrine. And then he shifts and talks about duty. All right? There's teaching. There's conduct. Um, what he's saying is, in light of all of the, the truth that we've just gone over, this is how I want you to live. And one of the ways that we are to walk in a manner worthy of our calling, which he says for us to do in verse 1, is for us to be unified. And that's what we're talking about in today's passage. And I believe, again, that it's incredibly important for our time right now as our culture is trying to control us with the goal of making us impotent, our unity becomes more and more important. Remember what Jesus tells us in Matthew 12, 25. Any kingdom divided against itself is laid to waste. And any city or house divided against itself will not stand. In the rest of the passage here in Ephesians, we're going to see two kinds of Christian unity. And these two are not warring at all. They complement one another. One form is a positional unity. And another is a progressive. First, let's look at the, uh, the positional unity. We see that in verses 2 through 6. But in verses 2 through 3... Look how the unity begins. With all humility and gentleness, with patience, showing tolerance for one another in love. Paul says that in order to walk in a manner worthy of our calling, we need humility and we need gentleness. The world thinks of these things as weakness. To be gentle, to be humble can be weak. But not when it's in submission to God. All right, these are not weak things when they're in submission to God. There's actually strength. Remember the words of, again, of Jesus in Matthew 11, verse 29. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For I am gentle and humble in heart. And you will find rest for your souls. There's no weakness in Jesus. 
Yet he says that he is gentle and he is humble. Remember, Jesus didn't come to serve himself. He came to serve others. He came to be about his father's business. He loved others in radical ways. We need people within the walls of our churches who don't think of too highly of themselves, but have grand thoughts of our Lord and who love others deeply. We also need to be patient. All right, patient, showing tolerance to one another and love. Being patient is the opposite of short-tempered. In fact, literally, it's long-tempered. Right, being patient is the opposite of short-tempered. So we're to be patient, showing tolerance to one another in love. Right, and this isn't the tolerance that the world preaches about, where everyone is their own God and we need to accept their truth as truth. This kind of tolerance is based on love. This kind of tolerance is for the good of other people. And there are differences between brothers and sisters in Christ. Right? We're not all the same. God has not made us all the same. We don't even look at the scriptures in the exact same way every time. But we see past these differences. And we love one another. We're patient with one another. We're tolerant with each other. And it takes humility and it takes gentleness to do this. Right, remember the kind of person Peter was in the gospel? He was rash, and he would jump forth. Right? He was the one that pulled a sword out and was ready to fight. But listen to him as an older man. 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 8. To sum up, all of you be harmonious, and sympathetic, brotherly, kind-hearted, and humble in spirit. Or chapter 4, verse 8, above all, keep fervent in your love for one another because love covers a multitude of sins. What is required for unity is not a bunch of rules. It begins with our hearts. We're to be humble, gentle. We're to be patient with one another, showing, showing tolerance for one another in love. But where does the unity originate from? Look at verse 3. Being diligent to preserve the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace. Where does unity come from according to this passage? It's from the Spirit. This unity is from the Spirit. When we come to Christ, by faith we are filled with the Spirit and are unified with other believers. Well, then what gets in the way of our unity? Our sinful hearts. Pride and divisiveness aren't diligent to preserve the unity of the Spirit. The Spirit naturally unites us to other believers. And if you don't believe this is true, what about believers that you run into that speak a different language, right, that you can't really understand? Um, our dear friend Udi and Gina, 
from Honduras. Right? They have this friend named Richard, and he is a missionary in Honduras and several other countries down there, even though he has limitations. Right? He, he can't, he's not very mobile, and he can't speak very well. But God is with him. And he has planted church after church after church. Right? God has used this man of so many limitations for his glory. And every now and then, Richard and I end up in the same room, and we have no idea what the other person is saying. But we have a great time together. Right? There is, there is unity because we love God. And that's enough. Right? There's a natural unity that's present until we start to mess with it. And we're good at messing with it. Why would we want to be unified, though? Well, look at verses 4 through 6. There is one body and one spirit, just as also you are called in one hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father over all, who is over all and through all and in all. How many callings do we have? How many spirits do we have? How many lords do we have? One. And it's interesting. All right, we see it's rooted in the spirit. We have one spirit. The Holy Spirit draws us in applies the work of Jesus on our behalf, creates the body of Christ, which we're now members of through faith. We're called to one hope. And that's rooted in the work of Jesus. One hope of your calling. Our hope is found in the gospel of Jesus. He is our Lord. Our faith is tied up in him. And we have been buried with him in baptism and raised with him to new life. Jesus is foundational to our unity. But let's not get, forget God the Father. Right? Verse 6, one God and Father over all, and through all and in all. There's one body, one spirit, one Lord, one Father. We are unified because of the work of all three members of the Trinity. How dare we break that unity? How dare we do that? But that's our tendency. That's something that we have to fight. We have to be mindful of. And if you will, turn with me to 1 Corinthians. We're going to spend just a few minutes there looking at how bad divisiveness is. Paul had a lot to say about schism in the church. First Corinthians 1, look at chapter 10. Now I exhort you, brethren, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that you all agree, and that there be no divisions among you, but that you may be complete in the same mind and in the same judgment. For I have been informed concerning you, my brethren, by Chloe's people, that there are quarrels among you. 
Now I mean this that each of you saying, I am of Paul and I am of Apollos. I am of Cephas and I of Christ. Has Christ been divided? Paul was not crucified for you, was he? Or were you baptized in the name of Paul? Right? He wants no divisions among us. Or flip over to chapter 3, and he's clear. Look at verse 1. And I, brethren, could not speak to you as spiritual men, but as men of flesh, as to infants in Christ. Right? I can't, I can't speak to you as a mature man. I have to speak to you as a baby. What do babies do? They fight. And if you don't believe me, go into a nursery full of babies someday. Put out the most popular toy. Your precious child, even our precious granddaughter, will fight. <laughs> That's what they do. We have to train them out of that. Paul says, I have to treat you as a baby because you're fighting. Verse 2, I gave you milk to drink, not solid food, for you are not able to receive it. Indeed, even now you're not able, for you are still fleshly. For since there is jealousy and strife among you, are you not fleshly and are you not walking like mere men? What he's saying is, if any man destroys the temple of God, God will destroy him. For the temple of God is holy, and that's what you are. If any man destroys the temple of God, God will destroy you. What are you willing to destroy the church for? We have bigger fights. Right now the world is trying to control us. Good is being called evil. Evil is being called good. Should we tear down the body of Christ because someone holds to a different doctrine than we do? And let me be clear, I'm not talking about heresy. I'm not talking about heresy. I'm talking about diversity while remaining in the pale of orthodoxy. That is a completely different thing. All right, a quick example. I'm a Calvinist, right? I'm a black coffee, jet fuel Calvinist. My father-in-law would be a Wesleyan, right? We have some differences here. He thinks I'm wrong on a few things. I think he's wrong on a few things. But we don't let that divide us. There are few men I respect as much as I respect my father-in-law. In fact, there have been four other people other than Phil and I that have preached here at Christ the King. Three are part of neighborhood fellowship that sent us, and one is Ed, my father-in-law, who we have disagreements on. He's taught at our small group. I not only respect him, but I trust him with people that I care about. We're not to destroy the temple of God. 
And how many times have stubborn, quick-tempered people split with churches over things that can be defended in the Bible? Christ the King has a lot of diversity in it. It does. And brothers and sisters, that's not a bad thing. That's not a bad thing. There are different views of eschatology. There are different views of baptism, of church government, of charismatic gifts. But what we hold in common is so far greater than what we disagree on. We should not be dividing. My wife and I don't even agree on all matters of doctrine. That doesn't stop us from worshiping together, from laboring together, from living, from living together in harmony. One day she will see her mistake. <laughs> I'm gonna pay for that. <laughs> so, so one ditch is to divide over things that shouldn't be divided over, right? But there's always two ditches, right? So one side divides over things that shouldn't be divided over. But the other one has the same tolerance that the world does. Right, a person who holds a doctrine that can't be defended in the Bible. So let me give you an example, and I think eschatology is probably a good one. Again, there's a lot of diversity in this church. Some are hardcore dispensationalist pre-mill folks. Praise God, praise God. Others are amill. Others call themselves pan-mill, right? They don't know what's gonna happen, but they're sure it's all gonna pan out in the end. And we can have unity in this diversity. But there's certain things that are just outside the pale of orthodoxy, right? There are those that deny the resurrection of the dead. Paul has something to say about that in 1 Corinthians 15. There are those that state that he's already returned. That has been dealt with as well. Denying a literal heaven or a literal hell. These things are clearly taught in scripture and to deny them is to deny scripture themselves. So we have tolerance on different opinions, but it doesn't mean we accept false teaching. And that takes maturity. But before we move on to this unity that requires maturity, I want to say it is fine to have healthy debate in areas of disagreement. Just because we are unified together and just because we have tolerance for one another and love, that doesn't mean we're afraid to engage in areas where Ed is wrong. It's, it's, it's not, <laughs> I'll pay for that one too. Um, Right, I've said it before, Phil, Phil Jackson's dad was a man that I respect so much. I owe so much to that man. Yet if you would have gone into some of the elder meetings at Neighborhood Fellowship and heard him and me debating, you would have thought there were real problems. But every time we, and we didn't debate that often, but every time that we did, that meeting would end with the two of us hugging each other, telling each other how much we loved one another, 
and how much we appreciated the other. And if we got too animated, we came back and apologized. I miss him. But it sorry. It was healthy because we didn't shy away, but we had tolerance for one another in love. Well, let's look at the second kind of unity, right? It requires maturity. It's still ultimately a result of the Spirit, but it is progressive. Verses 7 through 16. Oh, in 1 Corinthians 1, that's why it didn't make sense. And that's Galatians. But to each one of us grace was given according to the measure of Christ's gift. Therefore, it says, when he ascended on high and he gave gifts to men, he led captives, captive a host of captives. Now this expression, he ascended, what does it mean except that he also descended into the lower parts of the earth? He who descended is himself also. He who ascended far above all the heavens so that he might fill all things. And he gave some as apostles and some as prophets and some as evangelists and some as pastors and teachers for the equipping of the saints for the work of service to the building up of the body of Christ until we all attain to the unity of the faith and to the knowledge of the Son of God, to a mature man, to the measure of the statue which belongs to the fullness of Christ. As a result, we are no longer to be children tossed here and there by waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by the trickery of men, by craftiness and deceitful scheming. But speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in all aspects into him who is the head, even Christ, for whom the whole body being fitted together and held together, or sorry, fitted and held together by what every joint supplies, according to the proper working of each individual part, causes the growth of the body for the building up of itself in love. In verses 11 through 13, God gives apostles and prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. Why? To equip the saints for the work of the service, to the building up of the body of Christ. And what is the result of being built up in the body of Christ? Verse 13, until we all attain to the unity of faith. Here we go. Unity that grows as we mature. Right? It's so easy to see our differences as huge. Until we get an enlarged view of what God has done through, for us in Christ Jesus. The bigger picture we see of God and his work for us, the smaller those differences appear. I'm not saying that they're not important, okay? Please don't hear that. I'm saying they don't divide us. We still love one another. But this unity isn't natural. It's progressive. Verses 14 through 16, we are to grow up. We are to mature. 
And when we do this, we see the body as far more precious than when we used to. Brothers and sisters, we do have diversity here, and it can be uncomfortable at times. I'm not denying that. But our commonality is so much greater than our differences. Let us grow up and not be tossed here and there by waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by the trickery of men, by crafting us in deceitful scheming, but speaking the truth in love. We all need a place to belong in a crazy world. We do. This place is the church, warts and all. We want to be committed to one another and committed to the glory of God and to seek unity whenever possible. All right, I've said it before. We have a, a bunch of people here that at one time probably would have worshiped in several different churches. But to find churches that hold to the authority of Scripture is becoming increasingly difficult. To find churches that aren't, let me put it right, that aren't cowardly, but loving, right? There are some churches that are just pugnacious <laughs> and they don't love people. And that's not what the Scripture's called us to. But there are also churches that are cowardly and won't make a stand for what is true. My prayer for Christ the King is that we would be both courageous, that we would have backbones and stand where God tells us to stand, but we would be a place where we're loving and we're safe here. I want to see both. And because we can't find churches that hold to the authority of Scripture like years past, we have diversity here. That's not a bad thing. I think it, I think it helps us to learn what does it mean to have tolerance for one another in love? Right, I spent 20 years at Neighborhood Fellowship, and most of those times I didn't agree with all the elders there. I was the oddball. Surprise, surprise. Right? I was the oddball. And I had learned what does it mean to live in unity with brothers that disagree with me. Let's think less about ourselves and more about the glory of God. Father, I thank you for your word. And I pray, Lord, that you'd do a work in my heart and in the hearts of these precious people here that we would love you greater than we love our own thoughts, that we would love your people and your church because that's where your love is. And I pray, Lord, that we would be a church that stands firm on truth, that loves deeply, that has humility, that has gentleness, that has tolerance for one another and love, and that you would use a church of ragamuffins, a church of broken people that have found redemption in Christ Jesus, and that you would use us for your glory in this fallen world. For we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.
has come henceforth in fields of conquest thy tent shall be our home through days of preparation thy grace has made us strong and now all to eternal we lift our battle Lead on, O King Eternal, till sin's fierce war shall cease, and holiness shall whisper us in a man of peace. For not with swords loud clashing, nor all of stirring drums, but deeds of love and mercy, the heavenly kingdom come. Lean on, O King Eternal, we follow not with fears, for gladness breaks like morning, where thy face appears, thy cross is lifted o'er us, we journey in its light, the crowd awaits the conquest, lean on, O God of Lead on, O King Eternal, the day of march has come. Henceforth in fields of conquest, thy tent shall be our home. Through days of preparation, thy grace has made us strong. And now, O King Eternal, we lift our battles pray together. Lord, we love you. We thank you for the blessings that you have given us. Lord, I pray that there would be unity in the church. I thank you for the examples that you have given us of men and women of, of the faith that hold to different views on certain Topics, yet still have unity, that still have love, that still seek to honor and glorify you. I pray that that would continue here at Christ the King, and that that would be a focus of the church as a whole.
Lord, we thank you for the gift of life that we have because of your son. I pray that as we go out today, we would proclaim that good news. I pray that um, we would do that at the festival this coming week. And I pray that you would be glorified through it. In Christ's name, amen. Brothers and sisters, hear the benediction. Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to make you stand in the presence of his glory, blameless with great joy. To the only God, our Savior, through Jesus Christ, our Lord, be glory, majesty, dominion, and authority before all time and now and forever. Amen. Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Praise Him, all creatures here below. Praise Him above ye heavenly home. Praise Father, Son, Is a meeting downstairs, babe? It is. About yeah. 15 About 15 minutes. I suppose you'll make